Are you going to take the lead on, on bringing us in, or should I? Um, I'm easy. I don't mind. I'll bring us in, or you. Can, I'll bring us in. Go for it. I tell you what, we'll take it in turns, we show by show. How's that? That sounds fair to me. That's confusing. That's a, about six IQ, IQ points above my threshold. I'll bear that in mind. Now I've got a benchmark <laughs> now. Okay. Hello, welcome to our new show. As yet, unnamed. But are we are we going within our time? I think so. I, that's the best thing that we've seen so far in the chat room. Was that Tony that suggested that it? Was, I forget. That was the, the admirable Mr. Tony Pucci. I, I like Do it. you know what... <laughs> I didn't mean to call him the Admirable Mr. Tony Pucci. It I works. looked at the chat room and next to his name he'd said, Hey, Admiral. <laughs> and that put that word in my head and it's, I'd managed to carry it over there. I'm quite pleased with that. I know I shouldn't have explained it. It blows it, but <laughs> I was so pleased with it. I wanted to share. Hello, Jason. Hello, Rich. Uh, you said something to me the other day that really struck me when we were prepping to do this. And you said, how long have we been friends? Like seven years, six years, something like that, that we've been talking back and forth, chatting. And it took us this long to sit down and do a show together. I know. It seems crazy, doesn't it? It does. We, we've done, we've been on shows together. I've done your show. You have. A couple of Atomic times. Trivia War. Yeah. I, I, I do enjoy coming on that show, especially when you give me questions like name all the Bond films. That's, Which you did very, very well. I was, I loved that. I'd go on any game show that would tell me that question. <laughs> so, this new show is going to be about, well, you know, when I think back to how I described it to you, I kind of went through a large range of things that were just all sorts of stuff we can talk about. Because we're not, we're not really on a, a topic. It's not like this is a movie show or a music show, or computer games, or something like that. No, but we did try to narrow it down into a band that really fits us. And here's some trivia that might interest people who are listening. Uh, Rich is 366 days older than me. Now, that means that we both grew up in the 1980s and 90s. Yep. There was a lot of good entertainment that came out of that era. And I think we're going to kind of be, uh, we're, we're going to wax a little bit nostalgic about that time period. I, I think that's, that pretty much sums it up perfectly. Yeah, I think it, it was a good time to be alive from what I remember. Well, it was one of the most materialistic and commercialized eras ever. So there's thousands of all these uh, toys and movies and comic and book properties that, that we have to mine and, uh, and, and go back to. Yeah, I'm sure that we'll bleed even a little bit further into the past because as I was thinking about all this, there, there were some really worthwhile things to visit from the 70s and 60s. All right. Anything in particular that, jump to mind? Well, the original Batman is one of my very first memories, watching that on TV. I'm sure that we'll get around to at least referencing that show at some point. I think it's the law you have to reference all Adam West's work at some point of on the course. podcast. <laughs> definitely. We'll definitely get there. So have you have this list of topics that we've got for today, they're all awesome. And I'm happy. Did we decide on the, the one that's highlighted in yellow in the document? Yeah, I think that's the best place to start. Okay. Uh, going to talk about Back to the Future 4, why it should never happen, and other movies that we never, ever want to see Hollywood touch again. Boom. That's serious stuff, you know. I like this. This is, this is a proper start. Get, get strapped in, people, because we're going to tell you precisely why <laughs> there should never be a Back to the Future 4. 
and people in the chat room are already saying that we have to talk about Transformers. And I think that the modern day Transformers movies are exactly why there should never be a Back to the Future four. Exactly. Now let me let me start this with a, a little bit of a would you rather for you. Okay. You are imagine you're a sort of you're a screenwriter. Quite a reputable screenwriter. You're you're a go to guy for sort of blockbuster movies, perhaps. Okay? And someone a studio executive invites you into the into your into their office and they sit you down and they're like, We've got a job for you. We we this is worth a lot of money. We want you to do it. It's a really important project. We want to do something with Back to the Future. And you sit there in your chair and you think, okay, they're going to do something with Back to the Future. They're going to do it whether I write the screenplay or not. It's going to happen. So as you sit there in your chair, do you try and talk them into either Back to the Future 4 or a remake of the original trilogy? Um, I think from both a practical standpoint and from an idealistic standpoint, you have to say a reboot because well, first of all, it's been 22 years since back to the future three was released. And there've been rumors the whole time that there's going to be a four Pete. But at the same time, you've got Michael J. Fox with his Parkinson's disease. He's quite a bit older than he was in the original movies, of course, but he's also quite a bit, uh, quite a bit more jittery. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Michael. I don't think, that he would be able to come back even if he wanted to. And he said, no, I don't want to do it. So first of all, you've got to, if you're going to do a sequel, a straight up sequel, it wouldn't be able to include Marty McFly. And who wants to see a movie without Marty McFly? I mean, exactly. there's no no point to it without him. Yeah, I'm with you on that. You go for a total reboot and just move the whole thing kind of, do you know, that would get interesting because then he'd kind of go back to the 70s rather than, the 50s. Well, there's a couple different ways that you could do it. You could start it earlier and do it with an entirely different time frame. Um, you could have like a kid from, t- I think what you're saying is a kid from today, the 2000s. Yeah. Goes back to the Going seas. back with his parents to the 60s or, or 70s, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or in fact, uh, you could you could squeeze in the early 80s if you wanted, and you could get lots of 80s references in. And then people our age would go and see it and pay money. The other way that you could do it is you could set it in the 80s again because the 80s are hot right now and you could have them go back to the 50s again. But I think it would be a whole different set of tropes that they'd look at that at that point. You could you could do all kinds of things with it, actually, couldn't you? Whereas we're, we're assuming a Back to the Future 4 is a direct continuation of the story, which is a complete finished story unless you want to start with the adventures of Doc Brown and Mary Steenburgen. You know, that's that's actually sadly a possibility because uh, Christopher Lloyd is, what, 70-something 70, 70 now? He now looks like Doc Brown did when they put him in old man makeup. I would say he's looking closer to Skeletor. Oh, right. But <laughs> apparently he's open to the idea of another sequel. He said so. Hmm. So if they, if they decide to skip Marty McFly altogether, I mean, I suppose they could focus on Doc. Uh, history's proven he'd do any damned thing. Exactly. Baby geniuses. Yeah. (laughs) Christopher Lloyd, as soon as he did Suburban Commando, you know, mind you, Hulk Hogan was pretty big back then. He did that terrible, terrible sitcom with Pamela Anderson. Who did? Christopher Lloyd? Yeah, where he worked in a bookstore. 
Yes, he so did, didn't he'll he? He'll take any amount of money. I mean, he'll get back on screen. Well, mind you, if someone was like, would you be all right if we paid you to hang out with Pamela Anderson all day? Yeah, right. Yeah, I'd right. do it for free. I yeah. mean, I'll be honest. So we just hang out. We become friends. She works with me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fine. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> I just need to hang up and phone all my friends from high school now. Thank you. Yeah. I, oh. <laughs> there comes a time in an actor's career where they start doing god-awful things. And well, they're just putting away money for their kids, right? Yeah. Part of me doesn't really blame them. And yet other parts of me thinks, you know, Robert De Niro, you should know better than little fuckers. You you should know better than that, quite frankly. And he does it anyway. He doesn't listen to me, Robert De Niro. He should. With people like Christopher Lloyd and Robert De Niro, though, what does it matter? They could do bad movies now until the time that they croak. They're still going to have Back to the Future. They're still going to have Taxi. They're still going to have all those great movies that they've established their legacies. They can't F that up. Exactly. Do you know, I once heard Russell Crowe say in an interview... I'll always be an Oscar-winning actor no matter what shit I force on the public for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I, it's, it's true. Yeah. He'll always be Oscar-winning actor Russell Crowe. And he can go and make schmaltzy movies with uh, what's-his-face-all-he-wants. I don't like Russell Crowe movies anymore. I don't know where that's come <laughs> from. Well, luckily, in the case of Back to the Future 4, I don't think that it'll ever happen whether it's Marty or Doc. Uh, I was doing some research. You probably looked this up online too, but the the Bobs, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, yeah. they have both said, look, there's not going to be a Back to the Future 4. In their contract, I guess, is a stipulation that says in order to make it, and, and I wasn't quite sure on how this worked, but it said in order to make another Back to the Future movie, Universal has to talk to them. And I didn't know if that meant that they had to talk to them and then say, well, we can do whatever we want, we're the studio, or to gain their approval. Yeah, I think it would ine- and it would inevitably just end up being a time travel film, rather than because the story's finished of Back to the Future. It's a f- it's a complete story. It's a, it's actually three complete stories. I was thinking about this. It, you know, the time the, the the time machine was only ever the device that got them there, but the movies were never actually about time travel. Back to the Future One was about Marty figuring out that his parents are flawed. And that they made a whole bunch of mistakes and that he can kind of move past them being weirdos, right? Yeah. The second movie was about Marty overcoming his own problems, him being um, always put up as the chicken, you know, coming to terms with his um, rash-headedness. Yeah. And then the third movie was about Marty and Doc's relationship, about kind of like uh, the whole Beauty and the Beast thing, Marty being able to let Doc go and let Doc get on with his life, that sort of thing. Yeah. So so that whole story arc has been completed. It's done. What do they have to go back to with those characters? Absolutely nothing. Just superfluous stuff. Just, just the stuff where people get frantic would give us more of anything related to it. And you end up with, let's watch Marty and Jennifer go on holiday. Then, you end um, up with Crystal Skull. Yeah. Pre- <laughs> precisely that. You end up with just any excuse to get these characters on the screen and to hell with the story. You know, there's lots of neat stuff that you could do with them, but it wouldn't have any character development. Like there was a treatment I read floating around. I didn't read the treatment, but I read that there was one floating around in Hollywood. I think it was back in the 90s about Doc Brown accidentally going back in time and causing the Roswell crash. That's That's a nice one. 
Uh, it's it's fun to think about. I mean, they've done it with DS9, and we all liked that episode. See, from uh, same with Futurama, you know. From what I remember, that was no, no, I'm remembering wrong. Ignore me. It was it was an original plot line of the first movie of getting the 1.21 gigawatts into the flux capacitor. How to do it, and they were gonna drive the one idea was to drive the DeLorean past uh, the nuclear missile tests. <laughs> and and do it that way, and I got I got that mixed up with the. You the know what the interesting thing. thing about that Roswell crash um, screenplay was? It wasn't going to be Marty with him. They were going to stick Doc with a female kind of companion, like almost a Doctor Who kind of thing going on. Like like Karate Kid Four. Yes, exactly. I think that was the proof that that doesn't work. That the, do you know what a Karate Kid Four was in fact as bad as. A Back to the Future for that didn't need making as well, and that actually you could use that to illustrate all the problems you'd get with a Back to the Future for. You had, and a, then the studio went ahead and screwed up even further, showing people why you don't want to do these reboots. When they went back and made the Kung Fu Kid, it should have been called with Will Smith's kid, right? That that has really more more than anything has just completely annoyed me, and would make me worry about something like either a reboot or a sequel to Back to the Future, that you now can make something that's almost kind of like something else was and then call it that. You know, it wasn't a remake of The Karate Kid. It was a different film in which a kid also happens to learn a martial art, but it was not The Karate Kid. So, you know, I worried that they'd do something like that with Back to the Future. That whole Hollywood looking for a built-in audience thing really, really annoys me. When they steal the name of a property to slap on a tangentially related film just for the sake of getting people to say, oh, I remember that movie and, and head into the theater, that annoys me to no end. The other thing that I don't want to see that would annoy me just as much is I don't want Sheila Booth running around in a Ford Mustang time machine with George Clooney as Doc. If oh, they're gonna- God, that's what it would be, isn't it? It is, because they would throw whatever the little hot Hollywood star of the moment is, and then his mom would inevitably like be Blake Lively or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. See, I was worried that they'd get like Robert Pattinson. <laughs> see, that would be even worse, wouldn't it? And probably based on the demographic. See, that that's what these remakes do, too. They try to be so general as to go after every single demographic. You've got to have the character or plot line that appeals to the 15-year-old girl. You've got to have the stuff that appeals to the parents. You've got to have color and flash that appeals to the four-year-old kid that's toting along. Um, you've got to have the stuff in the movie that appeals to grandma and grandpa, and it becomes so dumbed down and watered down across the board that there's no real character that you can like. That is it. That really sums up all films that keep coming out now. That's It's quite depressing. I just, it doesn't seem to be the the, the great supply of, of content that they used to be. And, and by that, I mean, th there's definitely more content now, but it seems that there's less quality. And, and maybe actually, maybe I'm missing out on stuff like that because I don't have kids and I'm not experiencing the kids side of the world anymore. You're not seeing your son or your daughter experience that movie for the first time, regardless of whether it's what you saw or or just what's out. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't know what is big with, with kids. The closest we get to it is when Alison buys Christmas presents for her cousin's kids and they want things that I've never heard of. You know, like Ben 10. What the hell is Ben 10? 
I can tell you all about Ben 10, Rich. Come on, you're out of the loop. I am. That's that's precisely what I'm saying. I am out of the loop. And what scares me is I didn't even know it happened. <laughs> I didn't even know it happened. Now I just find myself flipping through Cartoon Network going, don't these kids watch Spider-Man anymore? What the hell is wrong with them? You know, they, they, don't, watch, they, they don't watch Looney Tunes cartoons and things like that. They aren't on anymore. And ones that are have been redone. And it doesn't look right. Have you seen the new Looney Tunes show? I, no, I haven't, actually. It, it's it's kind of good. Right. See, we could we could skew into talking about properties that Hollywood has done that have worked, like remakes or, or reboots that have worked. I'd, yeah, I'd be up for that. It, it's, a bit, it's a bit more positive, isn't it? It, it well, balances things out nicely. I, I wrote different lists of things that worked that didn't work. Because, I mean, we can talk about the new Star Trek movie. That worked. That was a reboot. That went over fairly well. I personally enjoyed it. I, I'm aware it had kind of some gaping plot holes in it. I watched it a few nights ago again for the first time in about a year, and it was much worse this time, but still a good movie. It was certainly entertaining and exciting, and that's if you get at least that from Star Trek, you've done well. It slipped from an A to a C+. Plus. Right. But a C plus is still a C plus. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with Rocky you. Six everybody liked. Exactly. I enjoyed that was the one that got me into watching the previous five. Oh, you hadn't seen the original uh, Rocky? No. I, no. I hadn't oh, seen any Rich. of them. And then Rocky Balboa came out and I thought, yeah, I've not watched one of these and everyone's saying you don't need to have seen those to really enjoy this. So I got it and just watched it on my own one afternoon. And, and by the end of it, you're sort of cheering along for Rocky and making sure no one heard you. <laughs> and yeah, I love those movies now. Well, what about the Muppets? Have you seen the new Muppet movie yet? That's not quite out here yet. Oh, you're, you're going to love that one. There's another franchise that worked with a modern reboot. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that one. And, you know, sort of hearing Jason Siegel talk about his experience in doing it, I got comfortable that he was enjoying it as much as I would want to enjoy it. <laughs> and so I'm okay with that. Because you're ultimately jealous of the guy who gets to be the human in the Muppet movie, surely. Well, no kidding. I'd give my last tes left <coughs> testicle to be able to dance next to Kermit for a while. You exactly. Know I mean? <laughs> so the last thing you want is somebody that's like, yeah, I'd never really seen the Muppets before, and I didn't really want to work with a bunch of puppets. You know, you don't want that. You want the guy who sits rocking back, in his back and forth in his chair, grinning and going, this was, this was amazing. This was this was everything I've ever dreamed of as a child. This was just great. And you think, at least you're appreciating it like I would want you to. On the other hand, for every Muppets or Rocky Six that comes out, there's a Tron Legacy. Do you know I was okay with Tron Legacy? Were you? Yeah. I just thought it was so humdrum that no one would ever care. There, there was a whole bit, like 20 minutes in the middle of nothing happening. That, I'll grant you. But Well, there were also problems with... Uh, why is the dude acting like that? And why did the movie resolve like that when he should have been Neo? Yeah. Okay, I I understand, I understand what you're saying. I think I didn't have the uh, emotional attachment to the first one that went along with it, eh. which might have, you know, maybe if I, I can understand that if I if I'd been a bit more attached to the first one, because some people love that movie, don't they? Oh, they do. It, well, I'm one of them. Uh, that's one of the movies on VHS that my little brother and I watched over and over and over again until it was just kind of fuzzy and 
washed out and you had to know in advance what was going on in order to be able to see the tape. Wow. Yeah. Those, those were the days. Winding, doing, just washing things on tapes over and over and over. I was looking through my uh, Amazon recommendation. You know, Amazon makes that page of, we think you'll like this because you bought this kind of thing. And they had a, a little tag that was one of the options was video. And I thought, oh, I didn't know they sold video here. And clicked on it. And they don't. It was a VHS tape section. Of They still have VHS tapes they thought I might like. And I think Tron might have been on that list, actually. I, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> I don't either. It's like, really? And they were really expensive as well. There was sort of like 11 and 12 pounds, which is... Wait, 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 for a VHS tape? For a VHS tape. I'm actually just trying to bring up the list now and see what kind of thing was on it. But You fly on over here to the States, Rich. You bring $10 with you. I will send you back with a garbage bag full of VHS what? tapes. You, you can pick them up here for like a quarter. Anywhere that you look, there's a stack of VHS tapes that someone is trying to get rid of. You would think that would be like like that here. You know, it's not like we're all hoarding tapes, but here it is. Peter Pan on VHS, uh, £11.43. That's a thousand dollars or something. I don't know. It's probably about twenty dollars, a bit less, which is a lot. However, they are there's someone here selling the X Files season one box set on VHS for seventy nine pence, which I'm I'm tempted to buy just as a sort of ornament, or something like that. Sign show children that come around. This is what things used to be. This is it. Um, what else was remade and good though? Cause I'm, I'm mating good. Do you know what the A team's playing on TV a lot, and that was that was awful as a film. That was just really bad. As I was sitting and making up these lists, the ones that were remade and good were the hardest to come by, of course, because the standards the the highest for that. But I was also considering some properties that should remain completely inviolate that Hollywood should just never touch. Now, I've got a few on the list, but I, I want to tap your info on this first and see what you have to say about it. Which which movies would you say never remake, never reboot, never revisit? The one that springs to mind, because they're advertising on TV again, is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, I I would expect protests in the street if if it if it emerged that they were in some way going to either make a sequel or a reboot of that. Now, see, I'm not saying that there should never be a sequel because I was thinking about that and Ferris Bueller was one on my list that I would like to go back and see how Ferris turns out as an adult, whether his spirit gets crushed by the workplace or by a marriage that doesn't work or something like that. I'd love to see Ferris Bueller at age 40, like struggling to to not be the same person he was in high school. I think it's it's certainly one of the properties that you could most easily do a sequel to and it not be crazy. You know, because like you said, there's there's actually lots you could do with that character if you wanted to spend another hour and a half there. But I I would really, really like it if it would stay in the little bubble that it is and never be touched again. Um, there were a few for me. The, the primary one, I think, at the top of the pyramid, though, is Goonies 2. I never want to see it. Do not make a Goonies 2. I, I don't think there's any danger of that at all. I, I think I think we're safe on that one. I don't expect to see a Goonies too, because you're you're never gonna get um what's his name back. I can't remember his name. Josh, um, help me out. He was in he was in the, the Rudy. 
No, the no, older brother. Uh, He's a famous actor now. He was in True oh, Grit. Uh, George. George W. Bush. Yes. Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. That was it. Thank God. It wouldn't come. I knew it, but it wouldn't come. I don't think they'd get Josh Brolin back now for Goonies 2 because he's much more famous than the rest of them and would want he's too much money. Right, too high priced. That uh, that also falls into the list of films you couldn't remake if you wanted to. Um, for a while, because I always thought Beetlejuice was one of those and then not so much anymore. See, Beetlejuice is another one that made that list. Never touch Beetlejuice. There's always been talk of Beetlejuice 2, hasn't there? That's one I remember from years ago. There's talk right now about it, apparently, with bringing Michael Keaton back. If Um, if they got Michael Keaton, maybe. I love Michael Keaton. I I don't know why he gets such a bad rap, but maybe one of his favorite roles right there? That and Batman, I think, is the definitive Michael Keaton for me, at least. Oh, now I have to look at Michael Keaton and make sure I get them all, because I, I love Michael Keaton. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I I really think he's a, a, a great actor and can do lots of stuff, but is at his best when he does comedy. I, I've just got to point out real quick, Krush in the chat room says, no Goonies for old men. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that I would watch. You can't handle the treasure. But, the, oh yeah, uh, Michael Keaton, He my actually my favorite Michael Keaton is Mr. Mom. Um, yeah. I, I, I just enjoy it. I just get a lot out of it. I, I love watching him struggle like he does so much. And then when he gets it all right at the end, it's it's great. But Beetlejuice, the Dream Team, Batman, Pacific Heights, not Batman Returns or the paper. I don't know. He's done some great little films. It's just he's not done anything really great for a while. Really. In fact, no, not. He was good in Toy Story 3 as Ken. A lot of people don't realize that that was him. I, I was talking to to Roe the other day from Atomic Trivia War 9000, and she said, uh, hey, did you know? <laughs> kind of looked at her, well, looked at Skype, uh, cockeyed, and said, of, of course that was. But I guess there's a lot of people who just didn't recognize his voice, even though it's very, very recognizable. Yeah, you can pick up Michael Keaton's voice all over the place. And he's done lots of voiceover work, like The Simpsons. and Very distinctive. Stuff like that, yeah. Love so Michael Keaton. Keaton aside, I've got to test the barometer on this one because I'm totally split. If we're talking about whether or not Hollywood should do a remake, what are your views on Ghostbusters 3? I'm very not happy about it. I've been reading all the stuff about it and I'm not comfortable with it. That was another franchise that it's fine. Leave it there. Even Ghostbusters 2 was touch and go. For a minute, it's certainly touch and go. Nothing. Touch, Ghostbusters Two was terrible. It's it's certainly not the first one, and to, it's objectively bad. Yeah, and it, you know it's been another one that uh, since the internet has existed, there has been talk on it of whether there will or should be a Ghostbusters Three, and the you know there was ideas that it was going to be Ben Stiller and other people taking over from them at one point, and. Then the idea of it's going to be girl Ghostbusters this time with various yeah. people. Which is even worse, judging by the casting rumors that are out there. The the IMDb page flat out says Eliza Dushku cast. Yeah. Which, that's bad enough. But then the rumors are Anna Ferris and Alyssa Milano along with her. Yep. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not liking the idea unless you can get all the original cast. And by that, I do mean and Bill Murray. 
Well, have I, you been following this whole thing about the the script feud between Murray and Aykroyd? Yeah, he's kind of. It's a bit. I'm a bit confused with where it is at the moment because there's been sort of. I'll do it. I'll not do it, depending on what there is. And wasn't there talk of him coming back as a ghost or something? There's been all kinds of talk, and it's really difficult to parse <coughs> which is just flat out, uh, you know, Hollywood rag magazine lie, and which has any basis in reality at all. But the the last thing that I heard was that Bill Murray got the most recent script from Dan Aykroyd, said, yeah, I'll look at it, set it aside for a few months, totally ignored it, and then send it back to Dan Aykroyd shredded. Right. That's a bit of an asshole thing to do, really, isn't it? Uh, it depends on how bad it really was. It could have been awful, I suppose, yeah. Hmm. It Aykroyd's probably would have been. guy, but he's not been known for writing some of the best stuff ever. And I think he's gone off the deep end a little bit recently. With the UFO stuff? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, he, he thinks they're coming to save us at the end of this year. And now, so, do you think that has anything to do with Scientology? Or is this just a weird standalone no, UFO obsession? Yeah, I think it's a standalone thing. I don't think it's Scientology at all. Because if it was, I think there'd be other ones of them banging on about it. You know, Tom Cruise would be mentioning it. So I think this is entirely a Dan Aykroyd thing. And fair play, you can think what you like. I think that's a little bit crazy. And and maybe that doesn't have anything about his ability to write a ghost-based comedy movie. You know? But, I mean, for God's sake, they wrote the first one over a weekend. How hard can it be? Maybe. I, I, I don't know if I can get behind that because I think there was a... A lot of luck that went into Ghostbusters one, but um, yeah, after the the story of it was one of of many rewrites as well because the first draft was unmakeable at the time. Oh, you should see all the drafts that the original Ghostbusters went through. That that first one that they wrote over the weekend, nothing of it ended up on the screen. Yeah. Oh, I still remember going to see it though. I remember seeing the previews for it, and then my parents clamped down. I grew up in a very strict Christian household, and right. things like ghosts were not allowed. You know, the horror movies, even horror comedy movies, just verboten. But uh, I didn't actually see Ghostbusters until I was 15. Right. For a long time, the trailer was just enough to scare me. I was always very sensitive to things of that nature. There was never a religious background to it, but it was... I, I would be stopped by watching stuff like that because they knew it would just make me cry. <laughs> and why go through that when you can watch something else? You know, it's just that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I remember going to see it. I remember my dad sitting next to me and covering my eyes for certain bits. I didn't see the ghost taxi driver until I was in my late teens. <laughs> and got to see it on uh, DVD. In fact, yeah, that was when I saw that for the first time. Cause it, that I'm curious. Bit, I'm curious, Rich, what's the first movie you remember seeing, period? I think, I think it's Disney's Fox and the Hound. Oh, I can see this. Yeah, that would have been, what, 1981 that it was out in theaters or something? Yeah, and it's either that or Star Wars. See, for me... I, I don't know. This is a long-going feud in my house of whether it was Star Wars or Return of the Jedi that my dad took me to see when I was four at the drive-in. He swears up and down that it was a re-release of Star Wars, but I clearly remember it being Return of the Jedi. 
I have quite a weird gap in my early movie memory, to be perfectly honest. I'm struggling to think of if it's if it's not Fox and the Hound, then I don't know what it was. And I kind of feel like even that is a bit of a constructed memory. You know, like it's maybe hard to I was tell whether you reinforced it or not, isn't it? Yeah, I, I kind of feel like it, my mum maybe told me once that the first time they took me to the cinema, it was to see Fox and the Hound because the story was I cried and had to be t- taken out, you know. A further example, I cried at the Fox and the Hound. You know, so Ghostbusters, different universe, really. Um, <laughs> and so I kind of think that over the last 30 years, I've just, I've come up with this memory of that happening. Mm-hmm. And and if it's not that, then I, I don't know what it is. Really. I suppose, because you can be sat in front of a movie before you're capable of comprehending what it is and that sort of thing. So I suppose it's just the earliest when I remember things coming out. Weird. Um, I'm going to go with that. What was the first one you saw? Or, or your earliest movie memory? Either Star or either Star Wars or, or Return of the Jedi. Oh, yes. Yeah. It was years before I saw Empire Strikes Back. Years and years. I honestly can't remember the first time that I saw it. As a child, it was probably the one that bored me the most because despite the awesome Hoth scene, the rest is all character development, which is why it's the best of the three now. Jacob Rellinger. <laughs> you see, the thing I, I remember, we had the, the first one I think had been on TV. And I think we had a, a, we recorded it off the TV. And so that's how I had that or it was available to rent. And then the third one came out in 83. That one I saw at the cinema. I remember going to see that as well. But Empire Strikes Back existed in this limbo of it's not on TV land, which basically meant that then you aren't watching it because there weren't home movie rental things. There was no video store to go to because only seven people owned video players. Do you remember having to go and rent a VCR? Yeah. I remember I remember our first VCR arriving at the house. I was thinking about that just the other day, actually. My parents visited here to, to see their first granddaughter <laughs> a few weeks ago. And we were all sitting around talking about that, too, how you had to go to the store and they had racks and racks and racks of VCRs. And it was like, it was something like $12 to, to rent a VCR for the night, which at the time... $12 now is nothing, but you think of inflation, that was like almost 30 bucks. Yeah. Just for the machine and then the video rental on top of it. You're talking about a pretty expensive evening. Um, I think the first VCR that we bought cost something on the, on the line of $150. Right. I, Which I, at the time was prohibitive again. And it, it came down to the same thing when we switched from cassette to CD player. Oh, yeah. That that hundred hundred and seventy five two hundred bucks was just such a huge hump to overcome for that new adoptive technology. If I if I I'm just trying to remember when my parents got their first CD player, and I think that CDs had been on the sort of mass market thing for maybe sort of ten fifteen years before they got a CD player, and before then it was just cassettes, cassettes and records. My dad is a big fan of music, so luckily we got ours pretty early. Um, it was still when the, all the CD covers were cardboard. You remember, they, they hadn't gotten the jewel cases yet. I don't remember that. That's, that's before I saw CDs. They were just sleeves. Wow. 
they seem to go through that with every new media of what should the box be um like with dvds right i've got uh, bill and ted's bogus journey in a cardboard sleeve yeah i have cardboard sleeves i've got a crystal jewel case one as well which might well have been the best one for it but but yeah the video store there were loads of them as well there wasn't just blockbuster there were loads. Oh, you could, it was as many video stores as there were liquor stores. Yeah. That was the balance. And ev- everyone <laughs> rented videos, didn't they? If they didn't have it in a, the the actual video store, you go to the anyone, every any number of garages and service stations and things like that. News agents had them. Do you have news agents in America? I'm not sure what you mean by that. Explain it. Where you'd go to buy a newspaper. Oh, in in urban centers, there's news agents, but I mean, there's just basically magazine stands, and no, they don't have anything like videos unless they're pretty shady and obviously bootlegged. Right, those kind of things. Three <laughs> movies for five dollars. They're on yeah, DVD in unmarked cases. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good plan. Right. Um, well. <laughs> Well, we're stepping on other episodes that we might have done. Yeah. <laughs> these are some of the things that we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm sure that we'll return to talking about early memories of different tech. But I want to real quick skip back and talk about movies that you wouldn't mind seeing a sequel to. And I'm not talking about reboots. I'm talking about direct sequels. Is there anything from 80s and 90s that you really want to see return? That's a good question. I hadn't thought of that one at all. Let me ask you this, and it's it's not really 80s or 90s, it's a little older than that, but how would you feel about Clint Eastwood reprising his role just one more time as the man with no name? I'd be quite easy with that because, and I, I say this as a very poor quality film critic, I've never seen any of those films. Uh, yeah, guess what you're doing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I know. They're all on Netflix, and I do keep scrolling past them going, I really must. I really you gotta must. see Pistol of Dollars. Come on. I I have no objections to watching it at all. I, I will get to it. It's just there's a long list of things. I'd love to see an old man with no name, you know, eighty bordering on ninety years old, still wandering around the desert, still trying to survive. There's a shortage of good westerns these days anyway. Have I you mean, seen True Grit? Well, yeah, I love True Grit. That was a great film. Uh but you couldn't name two others. You know, from from recent times. Where do you uh, stand on Three Yuma? That was okay. Okay. I don't. I don't really. I actually don't really remember a great deal of it, and I'm aware that it was a movie you should see. But in my defense, I say I don't pick them all. And Dino Burner in the chat room says Rango, which was a really <laughs> stinking good movie. No, it, really, seriously, it was great. I might watch that then. That's playing on Sky at the moment. I'm you just an advert for Sky tonight, aren't I? That's what this is. Or maybe they're just showing lots of 80s films. Oh, that's one. I should look at what they're doing on Netflix. in 80. They have an 80s movie category here. And uh, I, I've been looking at a couple. You see, I have... Movies from my childhood are all sort of... There's a lot of Steve Martin, Chevy Chase and Martin Short in there. And those are films that I think you just couldn't remake... What film are you talking about? I don't know which one you're referencing. It could be any, couldn't it? I'm, I'm the one that comes to mind first of all is the Three Amigos because I watched it again the other day, and I just think you couldn't make that again. You don't have oh, those guys. 
you know the sensibility that informed those or informed that movie and made it funny it's gone it's kind of like um well this might be different uh for for you because of where you were raised but uh here in the states being a fan of Monty Python is very much passe. It's a phase that you go through when you're about 10 or 11. And it's wonderful. And I'm sure that in the 70s, it was absolutely revolutionary. But now going back, you're like, okay, that's kind of something that we've done. It's not really funny. It wouldn't be funny if it were brand new. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. I totally see what you, you're saying. And so I just, I like these things because they're a calmer form of comedy. They don't try and be as they aren't as wacky or extreme they are the source of the wacky and extreme comedy we have now like three amigos is directly responsible for uh, uh things like super bad and stuff think, because you I, have to you ramp say, it up oh yeah yeah there's there's a law of diminishing returns that you've got to compete with the the more time goes on the more um the more incendiary your film has to be in order to get the same amount of attention. Yeah. And so, but I think the thing about 80s movies that sets them apart is that they had more time to focus on story. And now you've got to focus on dirty joke, dirty joke, sex scene, dirty joke, dirty joke, sex scene in order to get people to watch. That was the problem I thought with the in-betweeners movie, which I, will you, have you heard of that even? I don't even know what that is. The Inbetweeners is a sort of it's a it's a comedy series made by Channel Four about four kids in sort of high, their last two years of high school, or the English equivalent of, and it's lots of British re- that seventy show. No, no, it's 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 present day sort of thing, um, ah, okay. and it, it's just following them at school. And the joke is one's a moron, one's really disgusting all the time, and one's net with women, and so on and so on. And they've, they've just done a film, and it was sort of the biggest grossing British film of 2011. It made nearly five pounds or something. And I got to watching it, and it was just sex joke, sex joke, disgusting thing, shot mm-hmm. of the penis, sex joke, sex joke. And it's, I miss it when you didn't have to work as hard to get a giggle. And that's why the singing bush is funny. You know, it's, you're right. It, the, the sensibilities that create those films don't exist anymore. But as I scroll through this list of uh, critically acclaimed films from the 1980s, as suggested by Netflix UK, it's full of things that I actually may feel violent about if I heard they were being remade. Robocop. It is being remade. I know, and I'm trying to ignore it. <laughs> I'm I'm really trying to I, I think the RoboCrop uh RoboCrop that would be an entirely different movie. <laughs> I think that the, the RoboCop remake is uh actually scrapped at this point. Good cuz I leave it. It's an awesome movie, but not as upset as I'd get about The Princess Bride being remade. That would cause me to have fits. Possibly to climb a bell tower with a high-powered sniper rifle. Exactly. As if they would do that, that I shudder to think that that could ever be a possibility, that they'd do that. Remake The Princess Bride. Big Trouble in Little China. Now, see, I was waiting for you to bring it up. You know how I feel about Big Trouble in Little China, Rich. It's, it's actually one of the greatest movies ever made. It if really you get is. James Hong and Kurt Russell to agree to it, 
and to make Big Trouble in Little China too. I am there with so much money in my hands, just throwing it at them, saying, "Yes, please, I, I will take that. I, I would, I would pay forty dollars to just go and, and see that movie." Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd watch the sequel, but don't, don't, do not remake it. Oh no, 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 no! There's definitely a sequel, Big Trouble in Little China too, or, or bust. Yeah. Um, the same thing with Willow too. You'd watch Willow too. I don't I'd even know Willow that I'd watch Willow too. Would we get Val Kilmer back? Yes. Uh, you would have to get Val Kilmer back. You see, that doesn't this, add points. In this version, Val Kilmer would be fat and pudgy as he is, and old, and he would be a completely incompetent swordsman. Now might be a good time because Warwick Davis is undergoing a little bit of resurgence of popularity thanks to Ricky Gervais. What's he been in? He's had his his own series. All oh, right, you you must have this to come then. I assume it will show on HBO because they finance all oh, Ricky Gervais's stuff. I it's called. Think I've, right, I think I've actually heard of it. I I don't get HBO though, so I miss out on those. I I have to find other sources to watch True Blood. Right, it's it's called Life's Too Short and it's it basically is a sort of fly on the wall documentary style show following Warwick Davis and he's playing himself but a, a caricature fictional version of himself. <laughs> and he's sort of his his wife's left him. He runs a talent agency for for dwarf actors that is awful and he takes all the work but he can't really get any work etc etc. And so it, it, you follow Warwick Davis. And there's a different famous person in each episode <laughs> and that sort of thing. And he's constantly going back to Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant saying, you know, are you not making anything else? Can you get me, you know, can you get me part in anything else? Like, so you give it a thumbs up. Yeah, I, it's, it's definitely worth a watch. It's a half-hour TV show. I mean, how offensive can such a thing be, really? I um, will seek it out then. It's, it's definitely worth a look. And there's only like six or seven of them. Anyway, it's it's not a a huge thing. Quite literally, he's only uh, little. Daniel Billing in the chat room brings up two good points. First of all, he says, "Is someone still remaking Total Recall?" Yes. The answer is yes, and I'm not sure how I feel about that one. With Colin Farrell, I actually don't have a problem with Colin Farrell, and if it's done all right, then I might be okay with it because <sighs> to anyone who's that attached to it i would say watch total recall again now it wasn't a good movie was it no it it it, it has become a good movie but that's something altogether different yeah it, it wasn't it doesn't look good it really doesn't look good some of the special effects are are really awful um perhaps even the special effect that it's most famous for is is actually really awful um and it's it's just known for a few good Arnie quotes, but so is any movie that Arnie is in. That's Consider the, that a divorce. Exactly. It's it's what he's he's there for. He's there to give you a few good quotes and and run. And that's what it does. So I think there is actually room to remake Total Recall and it be a good action sci fi movie. That sentiment threads in pretty well with the other thing that Daniel brought up, which is uh, I guess the th- common thread that ties them together here is movies that we love from the 80s but were really, really shitty. He says, The Last Starfighter Screams for a remake. You, and that's, you're that's gonna, true. 
<laughs> you ruined that film for me. You personally <laughs> ruined that film for me. I used well, to love that movie. Well, I know what movie. you're going to say. That, first of all, let me offer a disclaimer. That, that idea did not come from me. That wasn't original, but I was glad to share it with you. <sighs> so, for our audience who may not have seen it, The Last Starfighter is a story of a young man, I believe called Alex, who lives in a trailer park. And he's, he's got the whole, oh, it sucks, I live in a trailer park thing going on. And then one day, this video game, Starfighter, arrives, and he stands playing it for weeks, days, whatever, and becomes the best at it. And one night, a strange car pulls up at the trailer park, and this guy's like, hey, you, you're the guy who got the high score. It's actually a test, and we really need you to come and fight in space. And, all. and he does, and he goes and saves the universe. You have but a different... that guy in the car... That's where the movie takes a, a dark turn, and you got to really think about it. The rest of the movie could very well be Alex suppressing the the knowledge that he was molested by some guy in the back of a car. Yeah, that's it. It's, he wasn't picked up by a man and going to fight into space. That's his fantasy he's created to block out the horror of what actually happened to him in that car with that man. It's the equivalent of, I was at Disneyland, I was at Disneyland, I was at Disneyland. <laughs> exactly that. I really am a starfighter. I really am a starfighter. <laughs> yeah. But you never get into a weird little car with an old man that you don't know who comes up and says, hey, kid, give you a nickel to touch my pickle. Yeah, it just doesn't work. You just don't get in the car. Although, actually, you know, if he's like, well, you come and fly a spaceship i'm, I'm gonna stand and think about it for a minute and would you like to touch my rocket sonny <laughs> I think. can't be like that anymore you have a little girl <laughs> 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 but uh the last starfighter does need a remake yeah Just needs to think through its psychosexual uh backstory a little bit more yeah um it was a groundbreaking film, you know. The special effects were like nothing before seen. It was the first, I think the first, to tap the crate supercomputers to do some CGI. Although if you go back and look at it today, it looks like it has about four polygons. The, the perfect example is when they're flying through the asteroid belt. The oh, asteroids yeah. look like CGI baloney spinning through space. It is barely a step above Tron, isn't it? It's, it's Tron did it better because Tron had it in context. That's Trons what, was supposed to look crappy. I think they got away with a lot by by managing that one. That that was a very good way of doing very essentially basic uh, computer animation. Dealing with their limited resources, right? They said that we got to have them living in a four bit world, and that's what CGI could handle at the time. And you see, do you know what? I think that's essentially why Toy Story was the first big Pixar movie. You can't, they couldn't do people then. They just couldn't do it. And so they did toys because toys are geometric shapes and boxes and bright colors and that sort of thing. And that they could do. So you make a film about toys. Even the people that Toy Story did, though, because there are a few mixed into the film, were superior to a lot of the things that came after Toy Story. So I'll give credit where credit is due to Pixar. Oh, they did a very good job. I, yeah, I, I'm not knocking Toy Story. So they, but... they did a great job avoiding that uncanny valley where CGI people just move wrong. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, you, they did the sensible thing. You wait a couple of movies till you do the one about fish. Because that's going to be a nightmare. And then 
you know they make they make great advances with all the things they did like when they did monsters inc and that was all about the hair on on the big blue one which was just incredible and it, it was it was great uh i watched that on tv the other day and it looks terrific still pixar stuff really stands up it really does and you know i i often wondered did they really was that a question of computer programming and algorithms and and things that magically created this hair or do you just get the intern and go right i've got a bit of a job for you how good are you <laughs> drawing blue lines okay and then well, we just want you to draw thousands of hairs on this thank you you just go that and uh, come back to me when you're done and you see him in two years something like that i think that marius maybe. is mentioning a zardoz remake but i think that we can <laughs> put that to the side i'm gonna have to watch zardoz um I've... you want me to save you some time yeah, go for it. Here's Zardoz in 15 seconds. Sean Connery wears a diaper, and uh, that's pretty much it. Cool. Lots of penises. Right. Yep. Well, I've I've seen penises, and uh, Sean Connery in a diaper is maybe something I could do without ever seeing. Uh, so I might I might avoid that. Are they remaking Red Dawn? There was some scuttle about it, but I don't know where that project is right now. Right. That was one that that came to mind as well. George, yeah. Mm. I've got to watch that as well. Will had it on the other day. We should have not seen the original Red Dawn. No. It's taken on a different context now that Patrick Swayze is actually dead in real life. Really? Is it right? Okay. It's a little bit, it's even sadder to watch. Really? Oh. But Wikipedia claims yes, 2012 Red Dawn film. Right. Directed by Dan Bradley. But again, you see that, I don't have the emotional attachment to it, so I would just watch the remake. Oh, wow. Dan Bradley, stunt coordinator and second unit film director who's worked on Independence Day, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3, The Bourne Supremacy, The Bourne Ultimatum, Superman Returns, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Where the Wild Things Are, Quantum of Solace, and recently... Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. That's a mixed bag right there. What do you do? It is. Is that good or bad? I think that's good. It's good to have a, a mix of various things. I think. Hey, do you know what? We've been going for. Let me look. At least an hour. That's terrific. Because I thought I was only going to be able to talk for about 15 minutes. I told you we wouldn't have a problem. No, the problem is still that my American mushmouth voice is going to sound like crap next to your highfalutin Britishness. It makes me sound clever, doesn't it? It's good. It does. Yes, you sound like a, a imperial captain. There was a, a survey I heard about not long ago, towards the end of last year, where Americans were were asked, um, "Do you, you know what do you think of the general intelligence level of of English people?" But you're all mad geniuses, you are. Well, it was the interesting thing was was that people who'd met English people thought we were quite averagely intelligent, and people who hadn't thought we were very intelligent, which basically shows you think we're clever until you meet us. <laughs> then we find out that our expectations were just so inflated. Exactly. Exactly. And besides, we actually speak with an old American accent. So, you know, have I thrown but, you uh, there? But you, you don't stutter. 
So you, you've got the one up on me there. You don't stutter. You'll notice it when you're editing. All right. Okay. Yep. You will. Editing. That's that's adorable. Jason starts and stops as many sentences as he completes. I'm not perfect myself, though. I, I can't complain. <laughs> so I suppose we should we should call time on the show as such and say that at some point we will have an email address for this show that will be the name of the show at simplysyndicated.com in our Which time. Which is predicated on the assumption that we're going to find a, a name for the show. Yes, we will find a name for the show. And also there will be a forum category named after the show. And and you'll be able to go to simplysyndicated.com slash show slash the name of this show and subscribe to it and download it and get show notes and things like that. But until then... Insert name of show here. Are we going? Shall we say in our time? Is that what we're going with? I'm fine I like with it that. as much as anything else. Yeah. Well, then, in our time at simplysyndicated.com, you can fill the rest in yourself. Props uh, to Tony Pucci. Thank you, Tony. That was that was good. Alison really did drop the ball on this one. She usually comes up with all the names, and this time, no. We'll make her come up with a catchy theme song. I will do. That might end up bad. You know, that might not be a good idea. It's got to have some sort of 80s rap flavor. I could make it do a rap. That maybe this is the way forward. You get it to rap. Maybe I can get just like my neighbor's kid who likes to rap <laughs> to his Eminem albums over and over again all day. <laughs> oh, is that one, the 8 Mile soundtrack? He's not had an album since then. He was 8 when that came out. It's oh, wow. Crazy. So thank you for listening, everybody. This has been fun. And we will be back next Tuesday night or evening, depending on where you are, uh, for another episode of this sort of thing. Um, Torture for your ears. Yeah, indeed. So bye-bye, everybody. See you later, guys.